This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast, Real Science and the Ideology of Reading. Now, I want to open up this podcast with four ridiculous claims that are often made. Ridiculous claim number one, there's a massive reading crisis. Some have bought into this claim that there's a massive reading crisis based on unscientific data. I want to see the data. Two, second ridiculous, or ridiculous claim number two. Children aren't learning to read because they're not taught enough phonics in the right way. That's ridiculous. Of all the possible variables impacting students' learning, they have determined that this was the cause of all reading problems. Phonics, lack of phonics, was the cause of all reading problems. They, meaning science of reading advocates, ignored overcrowded classrooms, lack of health care, poor nutrition, parents who are working two jobs just to try to put food on the table, unqualified teachers, systemic racism, with all the variables Someone determined that phonics is the root of everything. And of course, show me some scientific data to support that. That phonics is the cause of all reading problems. Ridiculous claim number three. Systematic phonics instruction is the answer. According to the science of reading, more systematic phonics will fix everything. And of course, we know... There's a body of research that says if you teach phonics, children will score higher on phonics measures. But is there some blind peer-reviewed research that says massive systematic phonics instruction is the answer? And ridiculous claim number four. I hear this a lot based on anecdotal evidence. Teacher preparation programs are not preparing teachers to teach reading. And that course is based on I thinkism and anecdotal evidence, not scientific data. How do you know what I'm teaching? You have no idea what I'm teaching. You have no idea what the majority of teacher preparation programs are teaching. You just say stuff and people buy into it. <clears throat> now let's look at science and ideology. Despite having the word science in the title, the ideas put forth by the Science of Reading group seem not to be grounded in real science, but in pseudoscience and I-thinkisms and anecdotal evidence. In fact, they are not promoting science, but an ideology. An ideology is a system of ideas and beliefs. Hence, the science of reading would more accurately be named the ideology of reading. That's because what the science of reading promotes is based far more on a belief system than on reading science. Real science puts forth conclusions and recommendations based on a wide body of research. An ideology puts forth a dogma and mandates based on a very narrow range of data that must be adhered to. 
Now, around the country, state legislators are being pressured to pass laws based on this narrowly defined ideological position, and they call it science. And since science is in the title, they think it must be science. And people listen to Emily Hanford, a radio journalist. I'm sure she's a fine person, but she's had no experience as a teacher and no expertise in the field of literacy. They listen to her instead of experts in the field. Now, Emily Hanford cherry-picks data and selects people that support a very narrow point of view. This creates a warped version of reading reality because it creates good radio. But I'd like to ask Ms. Hanford, have you ever read a research article? Would you ever put me on your program? I think not. Has your thinking ever changed with new data? And that's the mark of science. As new data comes in, your ideas are ever evolving. There's no such thing as a fixed idea, something that's proven for all times. And last thing for Emily Hanford. <clears throat> Does she rely on peer-reviewed research to come to her conclusions? Or are they more personal stories and anecdotal evidence? Which are you relying on? peer-reviewed research, or personal stories and anecdotal evidence. Now, there are international organizations devoted to literacy research and instruction, like the International Literacy Association and the National Council of Teachers of English. These have been around for decades. They have thousands of members who are literacy experts. Researchers, scholars, teachers, educators who have devoted their working lives to literacy instruction. And these groups offer a thorough yet sometimes complex view of literacy. And this is a view that is constantly changing as new science emerges. And that's appropriate. I would believe thousands of experts versus a radio journalist. Yet the science of reading seems to reject all of this for simplistic answers to a complex problem. And this is the simplistic answers we get. More phonics good, balanced literacy bad. And that's not science. That's an ideology. Now, <clears throat> the science of reading or the ideology of reading does not tolerate discussion or debate. They seek to silence dissenting voices. People like me are never engaged in. We're to be silenced. Now, the ideology of reading can't win in the arena of ideas in an academic discourse, so they attack. Now, any ideology, whether it's an academic ideology, a political or religious ideology, believe attacking another position is akin to making a point for their own position. So instead of making a position for the rightness of their claim, they describe the wrongness of another claim. They're so wrong, they say. They're so very, very wrong, and that's what makes me right. So the thinking goes. 
But this narrowness of thinking, this exclusion of ideas, does not move the conversation forward. But of course, that's the very point, isn't it? Now, let's take a review of what the reading what reading science is or the science of reading is. <clears throat> Tim Shanahan, I don't always agree with him, but he's got some good ideas out there. I thought he did a good job in defining and describing reading science or the science of reading. <clears throat> so I'm going to rely on his description here. He says that reading science is that that is based on research conducted in a classroom using controlled experimental studies or controlled experimental research. And this is his quote directly. <clears throat> to me, a science of reading, if we're talking about education, requires that our prescriptions for teaching be tempered by rigorous instructional evaluations. If a claim hasn't been tried out and found effective, then the claims, no matter how heartfelt, aren't part of reading science. <clears throat> In other words, to simplify, only practices and strategies that have been shown to be effective using controlled experimental research and conducted in an actual learning environment are to be considered reading science. These should be used to determine what effective reading instruction is. This is the only type of research that should be used to design reading programs and make reading policy. Now, there are different views and interpretations on reading science, but according to Dr. Shanahan, reading science is based on the premise that only findings that come from a controlled experimental research, from applied research, should be used to determine what reading instruction should look like. And even though I think this provides a limited view and excludes a lot of important qualitative and descriptive research, I could live with this interpretation of reading science if it were used correctly and consistently. That is, if the science of reading advocates use the same criterion to come to conclusions about reading instruction. If they used science to determine their belief system, instead of using their belief system to determine what science to look at. The science of reading seems to be cherry-picking data that reinforces two predetermined beliefs. Predetermined belief number one, reading is essentially sounding out words. And predetermined belief number two, you create better readers by providing more sounding out word instruction. That seems to be the essence of the science of reading in a nutshell. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, here are four ideas <clears throat> that we can all agree upon. And I say this because these four ideas are often used to mischaracterize people that don't buy in to the science of reading ideology. The first one. Everybody believes that phonics is an instruction, is helpful in helping children learn to decode words. Everybody believes that. Everybody believes phonics instruction should be an important part of early literacy. 
kindergarten and first grade. Everybody believes that. Whether you're a balanced literacy approach, take that, or a whole language teacher, everyone believes that. Everyone believes direct instruction is needed to initially teach letter-sound relationships. Again, everyone believes that. However, this is what this is what the National Reading Panel said. Phonics instruction has been shown to be more effective when embedded within a comprehensive literacy program. Or what the National Reading Panel called, wait for it, balanced reading program. Interesting, balanced. Now let me leave you with six ideas put forth by the National Reading Panel report. And I encourage you to actually read this report. And many consider this to be the Bible of gold standard research related to reading instruction. And as I said in a previous podcast, there's some good stuff there, nothing new, but it reinforces what the International Literacy Association and the National Council of Teachers of English, what they had been saying for decades. So wonderful, you've got this report. So six conclusions. Number one, there are several ways to teach phonics. Synthetic phonics, analytic phonics, embedded phonics, analogy phonics or large unit phonics, onset rhyme phonics, and phonics through spelling. Which one is most effective? All approaches are effective. All approaches are equally effective. Hmm. We tend to think of traditional phonics instruction as synthetic phonics. We tend to think of that synthetic synthesis, putting letter sounds together to create words. That's synthetic phonics. But all these types of phonics are equally effective. <clears throat> Big idea number two. Systematic phonics instruction should be integrated with other reading instruction to create a, quote, balanced reading program, unquote. Page 2-97 of the National Reading Panel Report. Conclusion number three, there were insufficient data to draw any conclusions about the effects of phonics instruction with normally developing readers above first grade. Conclusion number four, phonics instruction fails to exert a statistically significant impact on poor readers in second through sixth grade. But what happens to poor readers in second through sixth grade, they're often sent off someplace to get DISTAR or Title I or more phonics, even when though there's shown no statistically significant impact on poor readers. And by the way, there are three deficit areas related to reading. There's comprehension, there's fluency, and there's word identification. All struggling readers aren't the same. Some have deficits in one of those areas, two or all three. So if you're a student who has trouble just with fluency, hitting them with a bunch of phonics, word identification, does not address their need. Uh, and the last one, I lied, they, I said six, but there's only five conclusions. Phonics instruction contributed only weekly, if at all, in helping poor readers apply these skills to reading actual text. There you go. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host as always, Dr. Andy Johnson.